You probably gathered from the title of this episode that this episode will feature Willem Dafoe. And no, it's not clickbait. And it wasn't even a virtual interview. I sat across Willem Dafoe in the same room and had a conversation with him about Milwaukee and music. And I lost my mind. I talked about this interview before it happened, while it was happening, and you bet yourself right after. I'll set the scene up for you. This was back in May when Willem Dafoe was set to deliver a commencement speech for the graduating class at UWM. That Saturday, we were at UWM's Peck School of the Arts, specifically the main stage theater. The location was intentional. Willem Dafoe performed in that same theater on the same stage 40 years ago as a UWM student. The first thing Willem Dafoe said when he walked up on that stage was tell his ghost story. He stopped, looked around, and had a big smile on his face. And he recalled the time he was playing Ariel in the Shakespeare play The Tempest. He said right before curtain call, after he made his final performance of the night, he went above the stage, the proscenium stage, which is part of the stage in front of the curtain. And if you head over to our Instagram, you can see a picture of Willem Dafoe standing on top of a table pointing at it. So when he went up on that stage, standing up against the wall so that the audience members don't see him, he felt someone next to him, someone breathing down his neck. But he was alone. And then it passed. That was how Willem greeted us, and perhaps the ghost that still lives up on that stage. This is Uniquely Milwaukee. It's everything you love about community stories, but more in depth. Giving the stories the time and attention they deserve. Changing perspective one episode at a time. I'm your host, Salam Fathayed, and this is Uniquely Milwaukee. Stories that stick with you. What can I say about the man, the legend, that you don't already know? Well, what I can say is that I was incredibly nervous interviewing him. I showed up to campus roughly three hours before because I kept thinking that I would show up late, maybe had the time or the location wrong. I mean, my heart was beating so fast, my ears started to ring. And then he walked into that room, looked at the stage and told his ghost story. And I felt relaxed and ready. Although he is known for his 100 plus film roles and his extraordinary villainous face, he had a calm demeanor about him. And I don't say this lightly, but seeing him in the flesh, so very human, was inspiring. You might be like me and have these big star reaching dreams, but don't know how to get there. And I, I tend to get overwhelmed thinking about the future and stay stagnant. Seeing someone like Willem, who went to WM just like me, living his dream, it made it feel so possible. But enough with the sentimental. I know why you're here. Uh, I'm Willem Dafoe, and this is Uniquely Milwaukee. I had 15 minutes with Willem Dafoe, and I had to make it count. The first question I asked Mr. Dafoe was a Radio Milwaukee question. In fact, it's a Dory Zori question. She asked it to me when I first started working here, and I've taken it upon myself to keep the tradition alive. So every time I interview a guest, to check on their mic levels, I'll ask them this question. 
the question is, what did your childhood smell like? Oh, what does my childhood smell like? Um, it probably smells like Kaminoor. Kaminoor, okay. I lived next to a farm when I grew up. Appleton, correct? Yeah. But I lived on the, on the, the kind of new part of the town. It was a town of 50,000. It wasn't that rural, but I happened to live next to uh, Mr. Summerhalter's farm. I always say mint leaves. I'm Middle Eastern, so every time I smell fresh mint leaf, I'm Palestinian. Ah. I actually lived there for six years, so yeah. I was in Palestine, in like Nablus, and then uh-huh. went to Ramallah in school and yeah, such. I've been to Ramallah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, such yeah. a great place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I went to school there, and I would actually take two hours to get to school and such. So every time I smell fresh mint, I'm like, oh, uh, it's taking me back <laughs> to my grandparents' house. The mint's better than Kamenoa. <laughs> but is not bad. Congratulations on receiving uh, your doctorate for fine arts here at Thank UWM. You. Thank you. What does it feel like to be back in your own stomping grounds? It's crazy. I mean, uh, it's almost 50 years since I've actually been in this theater. And the form is basically the same. I know there was a fire here. I've just learned there was a fire here and it's been uh, redone. But basically, uh, right now I'm experience, experiencing a flood of memories. I remember... Uh, a couple of three, four productions I did here on this main stage. And uh, I also remember the first show that I saw here, which was Ken Kesey's uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which was really, when I saw that production, I said, wow, the, the level of professionalism. And, and it, I was just thought it was a fantastic show, particularly for a university. So I thought, i got to be around these people. So I wanted to go to school here. You were at the right spot to start that career. Um, You know, I just want to say, and I hate to be the person that gushes when I interview someone. Ah, I do it. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can take Uh, it. (laughs) You know, uh, you just have such a significant presence when you're on the camera, and you honestly steal the scene. And I was looking at some of your clips here. Steal the scene? That's not good. No, that's great. I should fall right in. I should be part of the story. No, I shouldn't be stealing nothing. I'm just like, (laughs) my attention is on you. You just capture my attention. And I was looking at some of the clips when you were performing in 1975, and there's just so many parallels with your performance. Have you always had that confidence, or did that grow on you over time? Um, I don't know. I, I just know, I don't know about confidence, but I certainly know that when I'm performing, I get a different kind of um, concentration and a different kind of sense of my body and my thinking than I do normally in life. Now, I've learned to extend that more into my life, but that was a special place that I wanted always to return to, which is a little sad because you need other people to perform. So <laughs> maybe that's not a good way to live your life. But I learned when I was young that I liked I liked doing actions and committing to them, and basically uh, pretending, pretending. And uh, I, I feel alive when I do that. You know, I took an acting class here at UWM. It was just like an intro one, which I absolutely loved. And they said that acting is just listening. Do you think acting made you a better listener um, in your personal life? I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully acting made me a better listener when I'm working. But in my personal life, I don't know. But uh, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Acting's more than just listening, but that's a great part of it. Because there's also sometimes that you have to drive. Uh you have to initiate. But listening is very important. Listening, I think, is just code for uh, being aware and taking what's in the air and what's available and 
being with it, and then acting on it, reacting on it. Solid advice for anything. You know, that leads me to the next question. You know, it's such a gift doing something that you love and you have passion for. Um, what advice do you have for people that are in their 30s or beyond, you know, quote unquote, uh, too old to start their passion? What advice would you give them? No such thing. I mean, there's plenty of stories um, of people that have started late and uh, had very uh, fruitful uh, careers. But also, you know, uh, it's a theme that uh, as I anticipate uh, giving this uh, commencement address uh, tomorrow, one theme that keeps on coming up is it's important to find out what you love and do it the best way you can. And, and that'll feed you, uh, you know, as a person. And whether it's a profession or not, uh, almost doesn't matter. It's really sweet if it is, but, uh, you know, that's what's important. You, you've got to do what you love because we, hopefully it's your work because so much of our lives, particularly in this culture, we are working. So you better like what you're doing. I, I, I feel sorry for people that do jobs that they don't like and live for their time away from work because that's, that's an unhappy life to me. You know, it's never too late to start. You're right on that. Yeah. Uh, so we're here in Milwaukee. Can you recall maybe when you looked back when you lived here, some, like, how, how would you spend your day in Milwaukee? Frequent neighborhoods or establishments? You know, there, there were kind of two chapters in Milwaukee when I was a student. And I was a 17-year-old kid. I hadn't even graduated high school. And I was, you know, couch surfing and, and working at the theater and... Uh, I, some, a lot of the time I was sleeping in this very building because uh, I was so busy uh, that I didn't want to go home. Also, uh, as I say, I was self, uh, couch surfing. I didn't have friends here or anything. I was a kid. I felt like a real uh, a kid in an adult world. Um, so I wasn't hanging out that much. And also, I was a person that... I grew up middle class, but uh, nobody was paying for my education, so I, I had to work when I was here. So it was a combination of working and uh, being at the theater. And then a second part is I, I was performing in, uh, with Theater X, and we were away a lot on tour, but when I was here, I, th then I got to know Milwaukee a little better and started to hang out a little bit more. Do you have an idea of how you, you describe your perfect day here in Milwaukee? <laughs> oh, God. That's tough. I remember I used to, I, I used to like uh, to go down to the shore, you know, on a, on a, on a very um, stormy day and watch the weather come in. See, I would prefer a sunny day, but it's nice that you like stormy days. No, I, listen, I love heat. You're Palestinian. Yes. Uh, I, I, I've become Mediterranean. I like sun and I like heat, but uh, something about uh, the, the water feels more alive and more... Um, dramatic when it's stormy. I'll have to take you up on that. Maybe next winter I'll take a stormy day walk and think about you. Ever wonder what the Green Goblin listens to when he gets himself all pumped up to fight Spider-Man? Straight from the source himself, Willem Dafoe will reveal what he thinks some of his iconic characters would listen to right after the break. Do 
Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the Honor System. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. Before the interview, I decided that I would print a few headshots of Willem's beloved characters and ask him what he would think his characters would listen to. Sort of my way of getting in the mind of the actor. Take this journey on a whole nother level, a musical journey. But when I brought up that idea, Willem said he wouldn't be good at it because he didn't know anything about music. But don't you worry, he delivered. I work at a radio station, so I thought to end this interview, I would present to you a few pictures of your characters and you would tell me what song they would listen to. Oh, and then God. perhaps uh, maybe like a, a, a short answer of why. But I don't know that much music. It's totally fine. Whatever song comes to mind, oh, it could God. be the same one. So we're going to first start with Lighthouse. Thomas uh, Wake. What do you think he would listen to? Well, it would have to be a sea shanty. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And maybe perhaps one that I, we sang in the, in the movie. There's some beautiful sea shanties. Uh, once I did a theater piece and we uh, uh, sang a lot of sea shanties and I, I love them so much. It's of a merchant's daughter brought up in Calio. me other girls who let me go. She took me in the parlor and said, won't you be me beau? me other girls who I was thinking the Green Goblin, but not Norman Osborn. What would be on his playlist? Um, Damn, something heavy metal, definitely. <laughs> um, but that's not my uh, my thing. You got an idea? Help heavy me out here. metal. Um, I feel like he would. It's not heavy metal, but I think Speed he would metal? listen to like maybe ACDC. ACDC. <laughs> okay, okay. Just that to sounds, hype himself up, you know, to good, fight yeah. Spider-Man. But I also see him maybe on his way home listening to a sad tune, you know, <laughs> okay. in the field. Um, I just want to say this is my favorite movie, The Flora Project. Okay. What would be on Bobby's playlist? He probably has a secret sentimental side. So, uh, you know, I don't know. He probably listens to The Eagles. The Eagles. Do you have a song from The Eagles that you think would be his favorite? Um, I take it easy. What about Klaus from Life Aquatic? Klaus would probably, um, uh, craft work. <laughs> <laughs> and then Wild at Heart, Bobby, another Bobby. Uh, Bobby Peru, um, Bobby Peru would probably like George Jones. George Jones. Do you have a song from that as well? He Stopped Loving Her Today. He Stopped Loving Her Today. I actually don't know that one, but on my way back home, I'll listen to that Do and it. maybe think Do about it. Bobby Peru. He said, I'll love you till I die. 
She told him you'll forget in time As the years went slowly by She still prayed And then just one final question for you um, so Again, since it's a radio station I have to go back into the music scene a little bit What's one song that you, know, you always come back to And when you listen to it the first time You remember, ugh, I fell in love with this song for this reason Hmm, there's many, there's many Name as many as you would like. Well, I'm a great fan of this um, Italian singer-songwriter who just last yesterday was the anniversary of his death named Franco Battiato. And he's got a very beautiful... He makes many beautiful songs, but one that is something of a love song that I like very much was called La Cura. Dai turbamenti che da oggi incontrerai per la tua via Dalle ingiustizie, dagli inganni del tuo tempo Dai fallimenti che per tua natura I'm usually touched by, you know, uh, the ones that stay with me tend to be love songs I'm, I'm a stone-cold Bob Dylan fan uh, Some of his best songs are love songs Um Many. It's hard. Do you consider yourself then a hopeless romantic? No, I just like, I like people, you know, I get moved when people are um, kind to each other. One thing I remember from that unforgettable afternoon with the legend himself wasn't something he told me. It was what he told a fellow journalist who interviewed him after me. And that was, insects communicate, humans express. I mean, what a phrase. Humans express? One of the reasons why I love cinema, other than the entertainment, is to watch that expression of emotions in life. In a way, even though it's escapism, it brings us closer to reality, can make us feel naked and uncover our own nature. And I can think of a few Willem Dafoe roles that have done just that. I'm your host, Salam Fatayer. Thank you to Nate Imig, our executive producer. Kenny Perez, our audio engineer. Thank you for our marketing team led by Sarah Lar. Graphics on our wonderful logo was made by Aaron Bagada. Our community engagement manager is Maddie Reardon. And Dan Ryder handles our social media accounts. And a big special thank you to our city-loving members for making Uniquely Milwaukee possible. Tune in next Monday for our next episode.